the biggest kept secret about hip hop is that house music was making more than hip hop in the eighties and nineties. People don't understand that. They don't want to talk about that. House music, which I know is a part of hip hop, made more money in Europe and around the world than hip hip hop did in the eighties and nineties. So bring your guests in. I want them to ask me any kind of question. Let's talk. I got my man Bumbleclot with me. What's up, Bumbleclot? What's good, everybody? What's good? I got my man Fresh with me. What's going on, Fresh? Glad to be in the building, man. What's happening? And I got my homegirl, Danky, with me. What's going on, Danky? What's going on, everybody? Ladies and gentlemen, we have a very special guest with us today. Our guest is a longtime Chicago producer. He's been producing since the mid-'90s. He's a member of the Shy Rock Nation. And not only is he one of the coldest producers I know, he was actually my producer when Big Diesel put out an album. What's up, Chuck Burns? Everything is good. How you doing, Big D? Oh, man, I'm doing great, man. It, it is an honor and a pleasure to speak to you. Uh, I believe we were, like, speaking since, like, 2003. and 2004, we went ahead and made it happen, man, and started putting out some music together. And, um... I tell you what, man. I'm hearing all these horror stories about people uh, uh, that work with people that are no longer talking. But let me tell you, Chuck Burns is the real deal, man. Chuck Burns is the real deal in Chicago, man. So I just will say it's an honor and a pleasure to speak with you. It's an honor and a pleasure to speak with you. Also, I'm glad to see that you're still doing good things, man. I, I swear, I, I, I'm so happy to see that you're doing positive things, putting positive words out to people and things of that nature, and letting them know that. Hey, we're we, we stretching these things, you know what I'm saying? We ain't trying to shrink nothing. We're trying to stretch these things as far as hip-hop and growth. And, you know, I'm happy to see what you're doing, what you're doing. Now, how long have you been uh, producing? Man, I'm going to be real honest. When I graduated college in 94, I looked at hip-hop as just my hobby. You know, I'm a social worker. Like, you got a regular job, too. You know, so... Yeah, I worked at eight offices. I was working court buildings and things of that nature. So hip hop was my outlet. So I started producing in like '97, '98. After I wasted a lot of money in a bunch of studios. <laughs> <laughs> I heard that. that and now, what, what was your inspiration? What, what the, what the, uh, when you, when you started producing? Uh, what what was your inspiration? What was you listening to? What sound were you trying to get? I wasn't looking for no particular sound. See, that's the thing. I was letting whatever was in me just come out. And whatever you can drag out of me as an artist, I was trying to bring it out of the equipment. And the really thing that impressed me that drew me into production was me being a tech geek and trying to figure out how this shit worked. 
and putting it together and making it work and making it sound good and letting somebody else use it and then using it myself and making a beat, recording a song. I mean, that shit was fun to me. Just figuring out how this works. How does this digital recorder work? It's got eight tracks. Okay, let me see if I can make it into 16. Things like that. Okay. Yeah, now, you know what, now what part of Chicago what part of Chicago did you grow up from? Well, I'm in the South Side, I'm in Inglewood. So I was born in Woodline. So the first few years formatively I grew up in Woodline, but I grew up in Inglewood. So, you know, that's the area between fifty fifth, seventy ninth from the lake. I mean, oh, let's say not the lake, let's say from the state State Street all the way to Western. It's known as one of the worst neighborhoods in the world, but you come hang out with me, you see that this it's not that bad. <laughs> it look worse than it sound worse than it really is. You good? Right, right. I know because I was up there every weekend. Well, you know, I used to live in Inglewood on Sixty Third and Carpenter up there uh, before I before I moved out. So when you know you invited me to the well, studio, I thought by that home. Yes. Well, my home base yep. is always in the low terrace. You feel what I'm saying? Sixty fifth and low. So that's right across the street from. It's an old folks' home, and you got Kershaw School, and you got the Inglewood Terrace. And that's it on that whole block, 64th, 65th, and low. So that's really where I grew up. But my family is Inglewood 100%. Even to this day, I still got too much family still in this neighborhood. So I can go all the way to Beirut. I can go all the way to Oregon. I can go all the way to fucking New York. But I'm still end up coming back to Chicago. It's like a magnet. So Yeah, I, yep, I know. I agree. You know, and, you know, I grew up as a military brat growing up all over the United States. You know, I was born in Germany. I lived in Florida, North Dakota, Omaha, California, Colorado. And, um, you know, so when in the, I, I moved, I've been out of Chicago for two years. You know, my son graduated. And he wanted to go to MTSU. And I said, well, this is time for me to move down south because uh, my, my folks are in Huntsville. Right. I got I got to I got to. Uh, not project, you know, my thinking onto my son because it's nothing for me to move. But see, he's been in Chicago all his whole entire life, so right. that move didn't do him too good, you know. So as soon as we moved down south here, he was as soon as he wanted to get him a little car because he wanted to go right back up to Chicago every weekend. <laughs> it's a magnet, bro. <laughs> okay, if you hate it or you love it, it's gonna draw you back if you prevail. Yeah, yeah. So that's uh, how, I, how I got started in hip-hop was basically when I first graduated college. And, yeah, I went to one of the whitest colleges in one of the, in one of the whitest, the whitest state in America. And you know me, big dudes. I'm a spiritual person, so I don't really, I really don't see race unless you make me see it. And, you know, I see, I see niggas. I see white people. I see white niggas. I see, you know. All type of ignorant motherfuckers out here in the streets. But I don't judge people and I don't see race. So, you know, I don't see size. I don't see none of that. I'm going to look at your spirit, your character. So, you know, that's that's the school of knowledge that I come from. So that's why I'm probably so accepting of people and why I brought so many people in who had different ideologies and different ways of thinking. Because, hey, I want to I wanna feel it. I want to understand where you're coming from. And we can talk. We can jab here and there and then. You know, we get to know each other and move on from there. That's called growth. It's called life. So that's what hip hop exactly. was for me. Back yeah. That's what it was for me. Well, you know, it was me too. Uh huh. 
one thing we wanted to, to talk about was um, the history of the home studio and and how that's the base of Chicago underground hip hop. The, yeah. the people who built home studios before you know the technology is what it is today. Yeah, I mean it's really. I'm not dissing nobody. I'm not putting nobody down. It's so easy today that we talked about it. You can turn your phone on and start recording. You can uh, put your computer on and just, you know, you put a USB mic up and start recording. All you need is a program and a beat. It wasn't like that in the 90s. And I think that's where you get the division between the so-called old heads and the so-called new heads. And there ain't no such thing, man. It's all hip-hop. We got to appreciate these young people for using what they got to get what they want. All of us start off with nothing. And we're using something to make something from and it's just art, man. And then if we if we let it go from there, then we can sort of, you know, appreciate what the young folks are doing. See the old heads like me, I'm gonna be real. It took a lot of work to make one motherfucker song. You could just come in the studio and push a button and just get the rapping and that's it. No. You got to put this together, you got to put that together. You got, you got an old-ass computer that in the 90s, man, shouldn't stop on you if you blink at it the wrong way. So, I mean, we was trial and error. We was dealing with new equipment and new technology. We didn't know we was doing the technology to know what it was doing, but we came up with music when the computers first came out. But before that, and you remember this, Big D, I didn't like computers. I didn't, I didn't want to touch the computer. I didn't want to record on the computer. I didn't want to make a beat on the computer, none of that. All my equipment was external. So I had MPCs. I had Boss, you know, DR5s. And, you know what I'm saying? I had the XLR. I had the uh, Tascam, digital A-track, all those type of things, all external. So you miss a little bit of the hands-on if you don't learn externally first. Because then you don't know how to use everything that's in the computer. And that's what a lot of the young guys is missing. So that's why a lot of the music is sounding the same. And that's why, you know, people are using the same beat patterns. They're using the same audio samples. They're using the same audio platforms, i.e., um, what do you call it? Uh, you know what I'm talking about, that, um, the, the audio auto tone. I ain't uh, not Fruity Loops. Yeah. Fruity Loops. Fruity Loops is one of those recording patterns. You know what I'm saying? It's just, for me, when Fruity Loops came out, I stayed away from it. And I know it improved over the years. And now you can record it, you can make beats and all that type of stuff. And, you know, you can become a producer with Fruity Loops. But when Fruity Loops first came out, it wasn't nothing but like a puzzle. It was just like, take this piece and put it in that place. And that's all. You weren't really making beats. So I used to call people Fruity Loop ass niggas and all that type of shit. You told me you made beats on Fruity Loop, you know, fucking producer. So I didn't let that notion go. That was an old school, new school thing too. That's a new school thing. They want to make a beat real quick. They go to Fruity Loops, and to this day, they ain't even making beats no more. They go straight to YouTube and snatch one and say, "Okay, I'm gonna flow. I'm taking this shit to the studio," and they go. I got relatives. So I showed all this equipment and shit, and they're like, oh, "Whatever." <laughs> I go right to YouTube and find me a hot ass beat. So that's the difference between then and now. It's like you don't have to work that hard to make hip hop no more. And that's what the old school is hating on. Don't hate the youngsters. Just hope they refresh their ideas 
and put more effort into what they say since it's so goddamn easy. And everything is so easy. So, you know, we can make a rap right now, Big B, and I can just freestyle and make some shit sound cool, and, you know, people will buy it or they won't. But it's all, it's more the music today. It's not about the music. It's about image, all those things. And I think yeah, you talking about this earlier. Yeah. I was talking about this earlier. It's like, today they think they're going to get by with lyric content. I heard somebody on TV somewhere say that Michael Jackson wouldn't make it in this climate today. Hell, Tupac wouldn't make it in this hip-hop climate today. You wouldn't hear him. No, no. I, and then Biz Marquis. You know what I'm saying? Because it's all about this sex appeal. Bruce Marquis, I like him because he didn't give a shit. You know what I'm saying? He's like, but he got, he had, hey, you know? You, he got super, I saw Bruce Marquis live a couple times. He got a couple songs that I can tell you right now that's hip-hop classics that most people ain't even heard of. You got what I need, The Vapors. Those two different songs. Bruce Marquis not on both. Oh, you got what I need in The Vapors. He, he, he snapped so hard on the vapors that Tupac bit the whole song. That don't happen in hip-hop. People sample. You know, they might still alive. Snoop Dogg rapped the whole song, repeated the damn song word for word down there. That don't happen in hip-hop. So I'm glad you brought him up. Biz Marquis is one of the coldest artists ever. But like you said, he don't have the look. He don't have the sex appeal. He's a, but he's multifaceted. He's like me. I'm a DJ. I'm a producer. I can write. I can rap. Believe it or not, Big D, I used to dance. That's where it all started at. I used to break dance. You know, as far as a, a little house troupe, we had a little house troupe coming out of the little terrace called the Crazy Boys. It was me and a bunch of kids that lived in the building. We would travel all over the city and go to the little house parties. House is a part of hip-hop, too, if you didn't know. And house is a part of hip-hop for those out here in the, in the larger audience who don't know. You feel what I'm saying? It was all happening at the same time. The difference between why hip-hop caught on so late in Chicago is because house music held on for a long time. And there's not a big separation between the two. That was the Chicago flavor. Hip-hop or rap was the New York thing. L.A. did a little bit of both. But they saw the materialism and the monetization of hip-hop, and that's why everybody started latching on to it. The biggest kept secret about hip-hop is that house music was making more than hip-hop in the 80s and 90s. People don't understand that. They don't want to talk about that. House music, which I know is a part of hip-hop, made more money in Europe and around the world than hip-hop did in the 80s and 90s. So bring your guests in. I want them to ask you any kind of question. Let's talk. Okay, well, disco was killed in hip-hop, I mean, in Chicago, uh, when that uh, Steve Dahl character uh, uh, had everybody bring their records to the Kaminsky Park and um, and say hip-hop was dead. You know what I'm saying? Uh, did you think that right? had an effect? Yeah, yeah. Did you have, do you think that had an effect on house music? That had a tremendous effect on house music. That happened in 78, 79, right? Maybe eight. Yeah. Somewhere in there. And, um, shit, I was 19 years old. Okay. So I was coming into my teenage years. <clears throat> when did House Pop? Right after that. As soon as they broke up all those records, the disco records, house music took that shit to the hood. You had, then we had, oh, let me say rest in peace to the oldest house DJ that I know and I remember. 
His name was George Moore. We called him King George. You feel me? And he's off uh, 66, I believe that's Peoria. Maybe it's, like, it's Peoria because I went to um, Lowe, Julian G. Lowe Middle School, or what's called a upper grade center at the time. It was a junior high school. And they would send kids from Bass and Kershaw, two different areas of the neighborhood, you know, to the same junior high school. And it caused a lot of conflicts. But that's where hip-hop happened. That's where house music happened. That's where everything happened was right here. People think it was the high school. It really was the junior high school back then. Um, Juliet G. Low. We just called it Low School. And I grew up on Low Street. <laughs> Spelled differently. But um, that was the neighborhood, and that was the era and the area. So if anybody out here knew King George, he taught a lot of DJs. From Eric Wade to Mike Dunn to Tyree Cooper. He knew these guys. He was a little bit older than us. I was younger than Tyree Cooper and Mike Dunn. and I know Eric Wade personally. He, he grew up in the same building. All these big-time house DJs. So they were a bigger influence on me personally, face-to-face, than anybody who did, who did hip-hop. It was only a couple of people in Chicago doing hip-hop in the 80s and 90s. Like, I remember it was only one guy freestyling or, like, challenging people to rap battles in Chicago in the 80s. His name was Top. And we called him Top. I got a good friend named Top that I rap with. He's from New Orleans, a different guy. But this guy was, you know, he would have guys at the Ogden Park, and a crowd would form all of a sudden. And this was the late 80s, early 90s. And he just rapped the hell out of you. We didn't, you know, there was one guy in my high school. I don't even remember his name. Who would challenge guys, and they would have little rap battles and all that. It just wasn't popular in Chicago to be hip-hop on the South Side. It just wasn't. House was what was popping from 85 to 95 in Chicago more than hip-hop. Did we listen? Yes. Did we buy? Yes. Did we go to concerts? Yes. All those things. But for the most part, I'm not saying 100%, for the most part, 85 to 95, Chicago is still stuck in house music. You feel what I'm saying? So, please, ask me anything. I'll exactly. tell you everything, bro. Ask me anything. <laughs> well, you know, that a lot of people don't know where that's where that Chicago style of rapping comes from, where, um, where we rap fast with that intricate style. But they started by rapping to house music with DJ Dion, um, Waxmaster, and all them, DJ Funk. They would play the house. They would play the house music, and rappers would rap fast to the house music. And then all of a sudden, you know, ninety three, ninety four came along. They kept rapping fast, but then they slowed the beat down. And they yeah. said, "Oh man, this sounds cold." Yeah, they so they started rapping the hard Yeah, yeah. And, and that's what made Twenty Four Seven do a die. And Crucial Conflict so cold. They were, they were the only three groups in the whole city outside of maybe Common Sense. And I don't know if he was even out at the time. That was putting it down for Chicago on, in the, in the mainstream. Going to real studios, putting out real records, you can go buy the shit. But nobody else doing it like those three. Do or die, Twister, no. Kush Conflict. And it was rapping fast, but I could hear it. Now, let's go to somebody else. Um, what was the group out of Ohio that rapped fast, too? Uh, Bones. 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 When I first heard, heard Bones, I didn't understand a motherfucking word they were saying. I was like, 
I was listening. I mean, my cousins loved it. I got a lot of younger cousins. I'm the oldest out of all of them. And they was listening to Bone, and I was like, I don't understand what, the heck, what they saying, bro. And then they sat me down, and we listened to it over and over and over, and then I was able to hear them. All that comes out of house music to a certain degree, the fast rapping style. Now, house music wasn't a lot of talk. It was mostly a fast beats. You feel what I'm saying? And it was repetitive. Now, that'll give you some understanding on why people can make a song today, and all they can say is, Gucci Gang, Gucci Gang, Gucci Gang, Gucci Gang. The whole motherfucking song, and it says, that's house music, bro. <laughs> so, <laughs> do you remember, um, do you remember Hip House? It was a genre. Like, like it was a genre called R&B Hip Hop. It was a genre called Hip House back in the day. Now, everything is just being meshed into a one now. So you remember Lydell Townsend? He was an yeah. artist out of Chicago. He made hip house. If you go on YouTube, you probably still find a song. It's called New New. Man, that shit was cold. I used to throw that on on, on, on a CD player, on a turntable, and, man, I have a party going. West Coast, East Coast, wherever. And it's a hip house. So I hope I'm not boring your audience, but I'm trying to give them some background as far as like Chicago is not New York, Chicago is not LA. Yeah, we lyrical and the gangbangers. It's like it's not either or. You dig what I'm saying? And it's shameful to me that like I think Twister is probably one of the top five MCs ever. You know what the problem is? People can't hear him because he say so much so fast. It's hard to absorb all that shit if you don't know how to listen fast. So, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't jock nobody and all that type of thing, but I recognize real where it is. And I love Rakim, and I think he had a lot of knowledge, and, you know, he spit. But Twister? My God. If you go back and listen to Adrenaline Rush and you listen to that whole album, that era was the best era of Chicago hip-hop, that 95 yes, to 99. Yes, the 95 to 99 era. We was, we was developing hip-hop in Chicago. See, it wasn't much hip-hop going on on the south side. Let me be real with y'all. We had to go downtown if you wanted to go to a real studio. It was a couple on the far north side. The first time I went to the studio was called Star Studios. And the only reason I got into the studio was because I had a family member who knew the owner of the establishment, the studio. Way up on the north side. I mean, like on Broadway. Like I'm on, I'm close to 63rd, right? On out south. This shit was 63rd out north on Broadway, somewhere out there. So I take the bus or the L way the fuck out there, like 95. I know nothing. I don't know nothing about the studio. I don't. I I don't even know how to really write 16 bars at the time. You feel what I'm saying? This is like 1995. This is after I graduated college. This shit is just my hobby. I'm not trying to fucking. Yeah, hip hop artist. I'm just doing this shit for fun. I get over there. My man say sixty dollars an hour. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Okay, I got it. Let's do it. I go in there. I record a song. It's fun. I'm peep, but what they don't know, and this is where it all really started for me, Big D. That's when I started peeping equipment. That's when I started looking at, you know, the business and saying, how can I take this home? And I realized that they didn't have nothing different to me but an office and a room 
a little padded room where you can record in a, another room where you can, you know, put your equipment, hook it up, and record. So once I figured that out, I was off and running. And it wasn't just one studio. I went to the studios on the north side, I went downtown, and I'm glad you brought up Shot Rock Nation because um, I'm throwing a couple names. I want to say thanks to Scope, who's one of the main producers at Shot Rock Nation, one of the main people that put together the magazine every month. We had a magazine. You can go back into the history of the late 90s, early 2000s. And The Artistic, who actually was the head of the magazine. And we brought in graffiti artists from all over the world, hip-hop artists from all over the world. Actually, I reposted a couple of days ago the um, battle between Juice and Eminem. I battled Juice before he ever met Eminem, right here in Chicago. We had an up-and-coming hip-hop scene in Chicago, but it never got too big. It was just you had to be a part of it to know about it. It got to the point where if you didn't understand what a open mic poetry form was, you never got into hip hop in Chicago because that was hip hop in Chicago. The open mic poetry forms. When you know it's an open mic, you can go put your little CD on and, and rap, or you ain't gotta bring no CD. You can just go freestyle it. You can just go, you know, to an open mic. That's hip hop in Chicago. You got a big poetry scene in Chicago. It's always been a big poetry scene, but it's been mostly on the north side. Mostly downtown. And, and people don't understand the different sections of the city. When I say north side, yeah, the white side. It's been mostly where young hippies and yippies live at and shit like that. But I guess they had the money and they had the means to establish these businesses to where we can have these access to these activities back then. Now it's a little bit different. You still ain't got shit on the south side because if yeah, drill music did good, it exposed a lot of people, exposed Chicago for the good, you know, all other things. But because of the music was so ratcheting, you know, real gutter, you don't get a lot of people that go out and party with this music. You can't go to a concert. So it's the same thing of how it used to be back in the day, why, why there ain't a lot of clubs in Chicago. The violence cuts all the enjoyment down. You just, if it's going to be violent every time people go out, yeah, they're not going to have no motherfucking nightclubs. So... That's the biggest issue. And we got a lot of, we used to call them studio gangsters. We got a lot of idiot internet gangsters. And a lot of people that just sit, sit at their crib, they got the money, they got the equipment, they're going to make music. And I don't, I don't hate on them for that. Be creative. Stay off the streets. That was the reason why I did it. You know, I didn't have to bring, bring Big, Big Diesel off the streets. But everybody that Big Diesel met in my studio was people I was trying to keep off the streets. Basically. And That's you know, right. I, yeah. I would I would I would throw a little I would see if you want it. I've been charging the same shit since ninety five. Twenty five dollars out. <laughs> I've been charging the same shit. Because it wasn't no good. Tell us about tell us about your studio. Tell us about um your studio and, and how people can get in contact with you to uh record in your studio and even buy some beats. Well right now. I'm not doing any recording. I'm taking a break for the winter, right? So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to re-up okay. all my equipment and all that things for the spring so people should get in touch with me, let's say, in a month or so. And I'm going to put the studio back together. I'm still in the same house where you where you recorded at. Um, I've left this house multiple times since. It's a family crib. It ain't going nowhere. It's still the last house on the block. But 
I'm I'm not really focused on producing so much right now. I'm sort of re-energizing my battery and, you know, see what happens in the spring. I'm open to, you know, being a consultant, an analyst, if you want to introduce me to your music, things of that nature. I'm very, you know, I can be critical, but it's going to be constructive. Criticism that I give you on your music, things of that nature. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to move on into the management level, things of that na- nature, but I still produce. I'm still going to have equipment. I'm looking at equipment right now. But right now, no. I'm glad to be at the place that I'm at right now. There's some things going on with Chicago hip-hop, like we talked about earlier, where things are so segmented and segregated that I didn't want to get into that when I came back a couple years ago. You know, I tried, and I was open to it, but then I realized that it ain't the same era that it was 20 years ago, or, you know, or 15 years ago. Um, You got a lot of artists that's popping, and a lot of artists getting pop in Chicago. Why? It's because of the segmentation and, the, and uh, segregation in Chicago hip hop. You, 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 if you're going to rap and you come from this BD neighborhood, you got to go to this studio. If you're from this GD neighborhood, you got to go to that studio. If you're a Mo, you got to go to that studio. So it would be difficult, very difficult for me to do what I did today. Back in the, what I did in the 90s today. Right, because it didn't matter. You know what I'm saying? If somebody came to the studio and they came to record music, it didn't matter. What set they was from, nobody was set tripping. You know what I'm saying? Everybody got along and it was all about the music. Yeah. Hey, do you remember that movie Hardball, Big Diesel? Hardball? No, I've never seen that. It was a a baseball movie made about kids. It was sort of like the Bad News Bears, but it was called Hardball. And it was made right over in that area of Racine and 10th Street, 12th Street. You know what I'm saying? It was a little Catholic school over there. But anyway, I don't know if you remember these brothers. I cannot think of their name for shit. But it was two brothers off the west side used to come in. I know you met them. They used to come all the time. And if you look at the movie, they played the bad guys in the movie. They played the little gangbangers in the movie who was terrorizing the kids or whatever. But they also was the sons. They were actually children of Sun Ra. You heard of Sun Ra? Yeah. They were Sun Ra's children. You feel me? These were some of his real kids. And I had them in my studio. It was Vice Lord. This is a gangster neighborhood. Let's be open. Let's be honest. Yeah, that's why I live at. A gangster neighborhood. But there's a lot of different things around here. It's not about that, really. Be a man. Be yourself. You feel what I'm saying? You're going to be respected as a man. If you get out of hand, somebody's going to put your ass in check. But at the same time, if you know how to stand on 10, and move like a man, you're going to be respected in this neighborhood. You're going to be respected in this city. Chicago is not what people think it is. You know what I'm saying? It's not as bad as people think it is. It's it's it's, it's a spiritual city. I'm going to say it like that. It's more churches. And this is a big, I don't know if it was a rumor, I think it was a fact. There's more churches in Chicago than anywhere else on the planet as far as the city decides. You would never find another city this size with a church on every block. That's a spiritual city. So a lot of the violence you see, it's because people are trying to hold each other accountable to some higher standards that don't get talked about a lot. It ain't a bunch of ignorance. It ain't a bunch of just, oh, let me say, let me change it up. Back in my day, it wasn't just a bunch of ignorance. Now, it seems to be just a bunch of ignorance. So 
that's the tough thing about doing hip hop in Chicago right now. I'm not. I mean, I'm not averse to doing hip hop in Chicago, but I'm being very selective. You feel me? I work with my family. I got a lot of nieces and nephews who who, who doing it. Not think they doing it. They doing it. But you know, a lot of them try to take the cookie cutter approach and the fast food approach to where, hey, Uncle Chuck, I don't need to sit here for no fucking three hours making no beat. I can go on YouTube and get a beat. You did, and that's what we did. Yeah. that was that was hip hop to us. We didn't even talk about right, I, I remember sitting there making the beat. I remember like sitting there for hours and watch you do like a like the beat, and then you go back and you add something to it. Then you sit there and start banging on the MPC. I'm telling you, man. I I remember those days, and then watching the beat come together. Uh, hey, Bumbleclot, you got any questions? Yeah, I was just wondering, like, with the gang banging going on and all that in uh, Chicago, like, do you? feel like other rappers like you know like because it's like gangster rap and then you whatever it's called out there but gangster rap and then you have like chance to rap it with you know like with different kind of lyrics. you got real music and you got chance i'm glad you brought it up go ahead i'm sorry yeah my question was like do you think that in in the near future in like a a little bit of time that the other rappers will get more shine out of of chicago besides the like the gangster you know kill you you know whatever okay basically what you're talking about is drill music and let me answer that real quick no yep no, okay. no, no. Okay. Whatever's gonna surface from the ground is what's gonna come up. You feel what I'm saying? I'm okay. saying yeah. whatever surfaces from the ground. I mean, I'm not dissing Chance. I like him. I can't right. name one hit record, bro, of Chance yeah. the rapper. Yeah. I can't right, name right. one. But right. he's positive. Um, yeah. He's put on a pedestal. It's more to Chance than just not signing a record label, bro. You feel what I'm right, saying? Right. It's more to him than just not signing a record label. He's a great artist, but it's very difficult. There's no way. He wasn't featured on none of those drill music songs, was he? Right, right. He wasn't on none of that music, but he, he was the cream and he rose to the top. Right. How right. did he do it? How did he do it? That shows, that's the essence of Chicago hip-hop. He came through the same way that Common Sense came through, that Do A Guy came through, that Twizzler came through. That crucial conflict came through. You're not right. going to be successful in Chicago if you stay in Chicago. Right, 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 right. Where did Do or Die go? Texas. Where did Twister go? New York. Where did Common go? New York. You dig what I'm saying? Even yeah. people don't even know. Kendrick Lamar grew up in Chicago for a short period of time. He's right, in LA. Yeah. You feel what I'm saying? People don't realize this. Lupe Fiasco. Yeah. He's yeah. over here west side. But they all have to leave in order to make it. So I give drill music credit for creating a Chicago scene, a hip hop scene. That's what I you know what I'm saying? I don't hate on them brothers, but they're expressing themselves and they're expressing the violence that they live in. And they happen to be so young that that's the only way they can express themselves. So back in the day, in my day, it was dance groups. We had little dance troops. My mother group was right. called the Crazy Boys. You know what I'm saying? And we would travel around the city and we would compete, you know, dancing in house competitions or stuff like that. Not even competitions, just your guys can dance. Oh, oh we can dance. Watch this. Bam. You know, depressing the girls, shit like that. Now, right. everybody got their own little hip-hop collaborative. So, you know, you got a lot. Everybody got their own studio. Everybody got their own little rap group. And the competition has moved from 
I can sell more drugs than you, or you get off my block, or I'm going to shoot your ass to, I can out-rap you. And that's the essence yeah. of hip-hop to me. But the problem is, is we, 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 we created, we came with the essence, which is taking it off the streets and putting it on wax. That's hip-hop, right? Yep. Yep. Right. To, 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 we take it from wax to the streets in Chicago now. Right. So right. you come out with the coldest song and be dead in three months because you might have dissed this guy who you really don't even fucking know. And, you know, just because you're from one area, you're going to say some slick shit about that area. Now, that whole fucking area is after you. And you don't even know who it is. You riding your bike one day and then you get knocked off that motherfucker. You're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. If you gone, it's a wrap. Yeah, you feel I just feel like the gang, the gang politics, the gang politics just plays because I, you know, I'll be listening to a lot of like different uh, cats out of there. It just seems like right. the gang politics is like the forefront of the lyrics, and it kind of seems like yeah. So you give me a point, and it ain't about screaming what gang that is. It's really coded. You know, to say three hundred don't mean nothing to a dude in California or L.A. or New right. York unless you explain what three hundred is. Lamron. Right. That's a street spelled backwards that I go to on, in Chicago. You feel what I'm saying? Right. Yeah. People don't understand that it's, it's still creative and it's still hip-hop. There's still some coded things in there. But for people who right. know the code, for people who know the code, it, it creates conflict. Right, right, right. Crazy. Fucking crazy. Ask me anything, bro. I'm not, I'm not like a, the, the encyclopedia of hip-hop in Chicago, but I know a lot what that about, a lot of people haven't heard. You feel me? So, what about Bumpy J? You know how Bumpy J just got released. You think he gonna come back strong with some shit? Um, I don't know the brother personally. I remember him from back in the day. I understand what happened. But I'm gonna ask you a question and then I'm gonna get into the history. No. First off. He, he, as right. far as the youth are concerned, he's an old head. Just yeah. like that's like if if Scarface went to jail in ninety five and just got out in two thousand five and you gonna ask me is he gonna blow up? Hell no. Right, right. It's just not gonna happen for that brother like out that. Out of sight, out of mind. Yep, yep. That's it. You've been gone for twenty fucking years, and the style of music you made in Chicago ain't the style that's going on right now. Right. So, yep. I got love for that brother, and I wish him the best. But just any name you throw up from the nineties, you know, don't, 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 you know, guys just kept doing things from white folks, and uh, you know, what I'm saying, do or die. Um, yeah. What's the guy? Psychodrama. They still do put their work. You feel what I'm saying? But you can't expect these these cats to pop to the surface again. You only rise. The cream don't rise to the top more than once, bro. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's true. Good shit. The shit started falling after that. Right. Mixing in with everything else. So that's that Chicago hip hop and a ball of wax to me. It's just like I'm a, I, don't, I don't like to use this word, but it's a scavenger game, bro. It's a scavenger yeah. game. Dog eat dog to a certain degree. And I'm proud to see that the drill music, you know, cracked the surface. But did you notice how it fell off, it fell off in the last couple of years? Yeah. And this is the same thing that happened to Chicago in the 90s. Twister got hot. All those groups I mentioned got hot. Then the national scene duplicated what they did and pushed them off to the side and was like, fuck out. Yeah. Same thing is happening to drill music right now. What do you think is going on in New York with Lil Zan and Lil Peppy and all these little motherfuckers? (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah, they, they, I mean, they took his style, you know what I mean? It's like crazy. They took drill music, bro. They yeah, took drill music and made it national and set Cheeky down. Set Lil Dirt yeah. down. Set Lil Bibby down. Yeah. You feel me? Yeah. Um, what's, what's the other cat name out east? Uh, damn. Not G Herbo, but that's another. King Louis. They said King Louis. King Louis probably didn't call us out of all of them. Yeah, he live in Las Vegas now. That's what I'm saying. He should be a nationally known artist. King Louis, Bibby, Dirt, Herbo, yeah. Keith, all those guys should be. Chicago should have the biggest hip hop scene right now because of drill music. But why doesn't it? Why doesn't it? Let's ask ourselves that. Why is Chicago not the center of hip hop like Atlanta is right now with the Migos? And I want to talk about them. They say they're the best group ever. We got to talk about that. <laughs> sure. <laughs> they ain't even fucking with crucial conflict. They ain't fucking with do or die. All right, I'm going to leave it right there. But anyway, Chicago has always been used and abused by the music industry. Let me ask you a question, bro. The biggest artist, let me say, make a statement, I'm going to ask a question. I want y'all to answer. The biggest artist come out of L.A. and New York. What's the biggest market for music sales in America? Is it L.A.? Is it New York? Answer that for a second. I'm, I'm going to give you my answer, but I want y'all to answer that. Is the biggest market for sales in L.A. or New York? L.A. You say L.A.? LA? Probably. L.A. All right. Yeah. I, I and, some people would say, and some people would say New York, right? Yep. Yeah. The answer is Chicago, bro. If you don't sell music in Chicago, you ain't selling no music, bro. I'm going to tell you why. Let me tell you why. I can make a bold statement like that. L.A. got more Hispanics than African-Americans. So when you start off, you're going to sell to African-Americans first or your ass ain't getting on. Period. Or the hip-hop community. African-American, Hispanic, low-income community. If you don't sell to them, you ain't selling. In L.A., you got mostly the Hispanic you know, community who don't even fucking speak English. They're fucking about no hip-hop. They still playing music from downtown. They don't give a fuck about no hip hop. In New York, it's so diverse. You think what I'm saying? It's like New York has a decent black population, but half the blacks are from Jamaica, half is from Haiti, half is from Africa, half is, you know what I'm saying? Everybody's not born and raised in America in New York City. And that's what we miss. That's why you got some Jamaican influence in hip hop, things of that nature. But as far as sales, if you don't market and sell your music in Chicago, you don't sell music. Big D, you remember back in the late 90s, before before Jay-Z was popping, right? Yeah. Yeah. We remember the math. It's math to this shit, bro. They used to play Jay-Z on WGCI every third motherfucking song. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. Every third song would be a Jay-Z song. So you can call it payola, you can call it whatever. Inadequate influence, whatever you want to fucking call it. But I'm telling you, in the late 90s, before Kanye West was known, and this is how he came out. We ain't even brought him up yet. Kanye was just known as Jay-Z's producer. And nobody knew what he looked like. Nobody knew who he was in Chicago. 
because he had to leave to make it happen. He had to go to New York. So that goes back to what I was saying before. Ain't no Chicago artist you can say that's been successful outside of chance could stay in the city and make it. Until drill music came up. When drill music came, guys were supposed to be able to stay and establish these institutions. So we have hip-hop in Chicago, right? right. But yeah. where does Chief Key live? L.A. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, Lil Bibby, he in L.A. G. Herbo, he went to jail last week. He was visiting Chicago, bro. He had that gun on him because, hell, he know what the fuck it is. And he know what he did or what fucking part of the, you know, streets he came from. And he know he might run into some shit. So he wasn't trying to hurt nobody. He just had a gun and went to prison. And going to prison or went to jail. You feel me? This shit happened just last week. And I feel bad for that brother because, you know, you should be able to stay in your city and create institutions, man, and, and, and help the people around you. That's the problem with Chicago hip-hop is we can't keep it in Chicago, bro. It's going to blow. You feel what I'm saying? It's going gonna, it's gonna to pop. But they got to remove you from the city now. They got to they gotta take you somewhere else. And that sort of dilutes the whole scene. You feel what I'm saying? We can't build on that, bro. How are we going to build on that? Yeah. It's kind of like the brat when she had to go to Atlanta, which is so, so tough. He had to go to Atlanta. We can keep going. Yeah. You feel me? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we can keep going. You can't. Outside of Chance the Rapper, let's talk about him now. Chance the Rapper, right? I love him. I try my best to listen to some of his music. I look at him the same way I look at that. Uh, what's that dude in uh, Atlanta that's making all the uh, TV shows and movies? He got some good music, too. Um, Charles Gambino. Hell, Charles Gambino. Um, Lupe Fiasco, Kendrick Lamar, J. Cole, they really yeah. are that new conscious movement that the, the real guys that's keeping hip-hop alive. I give them that credit. Let's talk about Chance. He said he ain't signed, right? He ain't right. got no record deal. But you see him in commercials, winning Grammys on Saturday Night Live. Bro, we ain't got to bring up strange words like Illuminati and you connected and all this shit. But come on, bro. Don't nobody get that fucking kind of exposure in Chicago. You on Saturday Night Live? She's got the Democrat Party behind them. She's got the Democrat right. Party behind them. I didn't want to yeah. say it. I wasn't going to say it. I was going to wait for somebody else to say it first, Big D. Thank you. His father been an alderman in Chicago for fucking 20 years. His father is one of Obama's best friends. Okay. Remember, he gave all that money to the high school. They 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 marketed like he gave his personal money to the Chicago schools, but the Democrat Party gave it to him and used him to give it to the schools. To say that they he's the one giving the school. They, they, they got some political plans for him. You know what I'm saying? You're looking at the future mayor. You're looking at a future congressman or somebody who they're going to send to Washington. So. His, his image exactly, is being guarded right now because, because you know, in so many years, he's going to be in uh, D.C. or in the mayor's office. Yes. They priming him, bro. Like, Kanye thought he could have been that dude. He just talked too fucking much. He's a little fucking nutty. Hell no, bro. Anybody listen to you. But Chance is actually, he got a brain. He, he, he got, you know, good sense of stability about himself. So, yeah, that's, that's true about him. 
But what I wanted to say about how this come up, stop lying like you ain't signed, bro. You got every fucking thing that a signed artist has. You got management. You got producers. You do everything that the signed artists do. You collaborate with signed artists, bro. So don't act like you're not a part of the industry. That's my only problem with Chance the Rapper. You're part of the industry, bro. You got connections. That's the only thing that separates you from the next rapper in Chicago as far as the drill music scene. Drill music guys had to come up on YouTube. Chance is too. He used YouTube. But my point is this. He has so much help. Y'all remember I brought up the north side at the beginning of this conversation. Talk about white or black. Chance went up to the north side and he caught the attention of some people with some money. And they said, hey, we're going to put our money behind Chance. And it worked out for him. Can't hate that. But don't act like it's something that it ain't, bro. You're an industry dude, too. You got your own company. You're independent. So he where Master P was in 95, 96. But let his numbers start slipping a little bit. How much you bet he's going to sign a record deal? How much you want to bet? I'll bet you right now. He'll be on somebody's ticket in the next five years. Because he they going to yeah. let him survive by himself, bro. Hey Fresh, you got any questions? Yeah, I got I got one. Um, yeah, man, I heard some of the stuff that you and Big Diesel did because I went on the stage and I heard some of his music, and you y'all y'all did some pretty good stuff there. But uh, what I was wanting to know as a as a producer when you was coming to prominence, is it any artist that you had wanted to work with and never had the chance to? Wow, that's a good question. It was quite a few. I actually lived in the same neighborhood with Twister on the west side for a little while. Had a house over there. And um, I had the fortunate experience that I had um, doing that in my studio. Um, I think it was once or twice on the south side out here. And it was I was just it was just by chance. I was doing some political work on the west side, passing out leaflets, talking, you know, doing my political thing, and Big D know about that too. You know, I was involved in, you know, something that was similar to the Black Panther movement in the 90s. And um, I was on the west side just, just rapping with people and passing out leaflets. And I met their manager, and they came by my house a couple of weeks later and, you know, listened to some beats, things of that nature. But there's a lot of artists that I wish I could have worked with, but I'm happy to work with every artist that I did work with. Because my thing wasn't always working with artists that were developed. Big deal tell you, you didn't have to know much. If you had a heart and you wanted to do this shit, I'm going to put you down. I've let people freestyle whole albums. I had to stop after that to make yeah. sure you heard that. I've let right. people freestyle whole albums and made it into songs. I remember songs. that. I remember that. Matter <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fact, you have a couple of us in there freestyling. Uh, hey, Fresh, we uh, and Chuck had had the uh, the microphone in the in the closet. I think I told you about that before. It was like in the um, the coat closet. You know, like you walk yeah. in and you got the little coat closet. And um, yeah. it was just like a padded room because it had clothes up in there, and you had the microphone hanging down from the ceiling. And and um, and, and it sounded pretty good too. So you know, and a couple of us like we had a freestyle day going on where we would take turns going in the studio, and which was that was the was the little uh, closet there. And we would kick it to the beat, man. I I remember those days. <laughs> and, and then. 
I would I would catch a minute. See, I didn't even know nothing about bars back then. People were talking about sixteen bars and shit. I was like, you got forty five seconds, nigga. <laughs> you got a minute. You know what I'm saying? Or some shit like that. I didn't even know about bars. We was that that was hip hop to me, man. We was just doing it. We wasn't so worried about the technical skills and all that shit. I had that part. I put it together. Let's start on beat. Let's 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 get it going. Let's get it cracking. And that was the fun part of it back then. You feel me? It's a job to a lot of people now, but that's what I appreciated as far as the fun aspect of it back then is we weren't too serious about it, bro. We just came together and did it. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, and another yeah. question so, I want to – yeah, I got one more question I want to throw out there that, that, that's kind of random. Um, a while back, I just want to get your opinion on it because a while back I, I was watching the documentary and it was talking about the evolution of hip-hop and – um, when y'all was uh, talking about when the records had got blowed up at the stadium, it, it, it made me think of it because um, right after that, you know, that's when Rappers Delight had came out. And then uh, when it seemed like hip-hop was coming to prominence, they, it looked like the powers that be had came in and they wanted to whitewash it because, you know, Blondie had came out with Rapture. That was the first rap video on MTV. And then they, even Rodney Dangerfield had came out with a hip hop album. And Hell, you know, I just okay. wanted to... heard all Yankovic rapped. Everybody tried to you know circumvent hip hop. So yeah. I'm glad you you, you you it's been going on from the beginning. But I'm glad you brought it up like that, bro, because this is this that's important. It's not just about the whitewashing. It's about the um, they do this to everything in America that comes from the underground. They're gonna make it marketable. You feel me? They're gonna broadcasted nationally. So before it got all that national and, you know, being marketable, it was right. hip-hop. You feel what I'm saying? Before it got all that, it was hip-hop. After that, it became rap. You see? So everybody can rap, but everybody can't be hip-hop. And that's what's going on today. So you got, you know, you can call it whitewashing today. Most of your most popular rappers on the internet are white rappers. So you can tell what your next generation is going to look like of hip-hop is going to be mostly white and Hispanic. From Cardi B, Lil Xan, you feel me, Lil Pump. That's, 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 that's who's coming next. The internet is the new underground, bro. We was underground. Meaning that me and Big Diesel had to print up CDs after we made the music and actually go and talk to people and put it in their hands and ask them for money. They don't have to do yeah, that no more. Go across the street over there to the marathon station over there yeah. in Ashley, and they just yeah. wait for cars to drive up and let them know you got to, I had to cold call all my, you know, just go on a stack of CDs and just, you know, um, talk to, hey, you know, what's up? You know, like, hey, buy my CD, you know, have people, so, so, so people tell back you. To my man's, back to my man's question, huh? you know, you know, the question is very important. Hip hop wasn't even played on the radio in Chicago outside of MC Hammer and Will Smith until 1994, 95. So, no, N.W.A. wasn't on the radio in Chicago. Master P. wasn't on the radio in Chicago. But how did they become so popular? Remember 950 AM? 950 AM was cold as hell. Dave, that's why they got AM. Okay, we can talk about an AM station. Yeah, okay, we had one AM station. And we had, you know, that nobody really listened to, unless you was a hip-hop head. 
and we had HBK from the 80s to the 90s. The first time I really paid attention to hip-hop, I, I just so happened to run up on HBK, which is a University of Chicago radio station back in the 80s. And just so y'all know, people want to put East Coast, West Coast against each other, the gangster rap against the conscious rappers. The first hip-hop song that really influenced me to get into hip-hop, not the first one I heard, because I was listening to hip-hop in 79, 80, was um, my man KRS-One with that wa-da-da-dang, wa-da-da-da-da-dang, hey, just into my nine millimeter, go book, book. That was my shit. I heard that on the radio. I was like, what the fuck is going on in Chicago? But this was like the late 80s. I was still in high school. And you couldn't hear hip-hop nowhere else besides WHBK in Chicago or 950 AM, which really was a talk show. Which really was a, a talk channel, right, Big D? At one time, well, you know, uh, when W, when Johnson Publications, uh, Johnson, Mr. Johnson, who owned Jet and Ebony, uh, he right. bought it and, and turned it to WJPC, uh, Johnson Publishing Company, and okay. then that's okay. when it became all all hip hop. Okay. See, I didn't I didn't know that. See, because I spent years away from Chicago, then I come back. But I think I think that gave me a good estimation of what's going on. You got to leave this place to notice, notice the changes sometimes. You know what I'm saying? The neighborhood ain't is not the same. You know, so it, it pains me to have people have a notion that Chicago is some big violent place. Man, I'm in the worst neighborhood, probably on the worst block. Yeah, I look out my house and I can look out my window and probably see prostitutes and drug dealers and things of that nature. People out here hustling. It's because of poverty, bro. So let's not mistake it for what it is. You know what I'm saying? We got a large area of poor people on the south side of Chicago. Ain't no jobs. Ain't no temp agencies. You got to leave, even just like the hip-hop artists, just to work a, a honest eight-hour day. You have to leave the south side of Chicago. I don't give a fuck who you are. You got to leave. The only thing you can do around here is live, eat, sleep, and shit. You ain't going to work. Now, yeah, well, they got some industries in there, but you know, it's like you got to know somebody to get in. I was surprised I got in at Praxair over in East Chicago, you know, because you got Praxair in East Chicago, a big industry, and you got people driving in from Joliet, you know, right. and uh, and um, I'm like, wait a minute, you got people driving all the way in from Joliet to go to work in East Chicago, Indiana, and nobody, hardly nobody from the actual city of Chicago. Thank you. <laughs> yes. So it's, it's, Chicago is a different beast, man. It's like, and just so y'all know, my background and my, my education is I'm a Bachelor of Science in Sociology. So I look at a lot of things through that lens, through my sociological lens. And Chicago's different. I've been to L.A. I've been to New York. It's different. I've never lived in those places, but I've been there. It's, it's just it's a different beast, man. You know what I'm saying? You've heard of the Chicago machine. That has something to do with hip-hop, too. Chance came through the Chicago machine, bro. He represents the machine. That's not a diss. That's just a say. That's his come-up. You did? Jay Prince helped do a dial and twister. 
You feel me? Kanye helped twist the album. Jay Z helped twist the album. Try to sign on the Rock Nation. No, but they got to they got to get the fuck away from Chicago. So I wish I had the answer, but I just asked the question: What is it about Chicago that we can't establish nothing and keep it? What is it about us? I don't get. It. I don't know. That's a good. That's a good topic for another show. You know, I can, we can get a couple of guys on. You know, I, I talked to uh, uh, Stax Malone from the Snipers, uh, Buck from Do or Die, Fire um, from Do or Die. But we need we need to have a conference on that. You know, what I'm saying, and yeah. even get some of these new artists on there and and just talk about it. Stay here, man. It's like we gotta stay here and establish ourselves as a hip hop community for it to be beneficial to the people that you want it to benefit in your city or you want to put people on and all this type of shit, you can't do it from another city, bro. It's just, it's just basic hip-hop knowledge. you got to establish yourself where you at. And you can have influence over other cities or you can, you know, you can branch out. But that's, that's, that's just been Chicago's major problem is we haven't established ourselves after the success and being built on it, you know? I know I'm successful in hip-hop just because of how many people I've touched. Like we were talking about earlier, Big D, the, the home studio. Me taking that chance and learning how to buy equipment and not just continuously going to the studio. See, I wasn't the first to start this. Let me, let me say that one. I went to professional studios first, downtown and on the north side. Then I started traveling around the studios on the south side. And all of these studios were home studios. Um, it was one on 70, I don't remember these guys' names. It was the 90s, bro. I've been smoking a lot of weed since then. Um, it was one on 72nd in, like, Sangamon. It was one on 127th in, like, Michigan. That's actually where I learned how to do MIDI. You feel me? He, he had a MIDI course, a 10-week course on MIDI, and he did it out of his house. He had two studios in his basement. So when I started to see all these home studios, I was like, oh, man. I know, the, I know what guitar center is. Let me go buy some of this. I know how to read. Let me go buy some of this equipment, get these books. And Big B, you, he'll tell you, my books will be right there next to the equipment. <laughs> <laughs> if we have any problem troubleshooting anything, they got to sit there and wait. I got to, hold on, man. Let me, look, let me look at this book. Let me see what the fuck is going on here. What's wrong? So all of those things that we brought together was hip hop to me. It was the learning. It was the, uh, the um, fellowship, bringing people together, you know, not just keeping people off the streets, but giving them something positive to do. I had great jobs. I had, you know, great professional career. I used the money that I made in my professional career to, you know, establish myself as a hip hop producer. And, you know, I wasn't, big deal to tell you, I didn't put myself at the forefront of nobody's hip hop or rap, but I can flow and I can write. But I never wanted to be that dude. I just do it to show that I can do it. I always wanted to bring other through, other people to help them, show them how to use this equipment, how to make it work. And one thing I'm really proud of, man, when I saw online that Big D's son make beats, he's in the music, I don't need no more applause than that. I'm good. Because he sat right here in this house on the couch watching us do what we do. 15, 20 years later. Just staring. Yeah, he sat right there staring with, with that MPC. 
and he's like, he's like, I, I want one of those. And, you know, he started on that little uh, Funk Master Flex uh, thing, making beats like Chuck. And it was, you know, uh, we were talking about drills. You know, my son is one of the original drill producers, King right. Teflon. You know what I'm saying? Right. So he I know. produced for King Lil J Double O. You know what I'm saying? So, uh, yeah, we got one of the original drill producers right here on the show. So, um, hey, Danica, uh, you got any questions? Yeah, I was going to ask that. I didn't hear the young lady yet. No, I'm good. Um, That was a great interview, though, man. Okay. Okay. All right. Yeah, so, thank you, know, you, Anybody man. have any questions for cool, me? Anytime, you know what I'm saying, I'm going to open, open books. You dig? And probably should write a couple books, but, you know, something <laughs> you don't want to share. You feel what I'm saying? So the only way you're going to get this type of information is if you talk to somebody like me who's been through it. I'm not the only one. You know what I'm saying? It's like there's a lot of people out here who have been part of hip-hop in Chicago or, or establishing the music scene that don't get they don't they don't get their name thrown out there, and they don't care. I'm one of those people. You know what I'm saying? I know what I've done. I know what I've been through. I know who I've influenced. I know who I've met. I know who I know. And all that shit ain't really important to me. You feel what I'm saying? Who, who you know and all that shit. Fuck all that shit, man. What are you doing? That's right. You know? What are you doing? What are you putting down? Who are you trying to help? You know what I'm saying? Wh- which way is this shit going? So, right now, my only my only big disappointment is that we wasn't able to take the drill music and make it an institution in Chicago. Everybody biting that shit. Yeah. You listen to, um, what's the dude's name? Takashi 69 I saw the funniest video in the world on Facebook. It's a young lady that's imitating him, and all she's doing is, nigga, slip on shit, nigga, what the fuck is this? I don't give a fuck. She's just going off like that, right? Uh-huh. That's all the nigga doing. But he got that spirit from drill music. Right. You know, he got that spirit from Chicago. They're not going to admit it. New York ain't came with nothing original since um, the 80s and 90s. New York is all about catching the wave. You feel what I'm saying? Catching the trend. Same thing with Atlanta. And that brings me back to what I was saying earlier about, I wanted to talk about Migos being the biggest, the best rap group and all this shit. I was thinking about this earlier before you guys uh, called me. You know who Migos is really to me? Migos really is like, oh boy, Gucci Man. It's a mixture of Gucci Man they sound like, every time I hear one of their songs, I think it's Gucci Man at first. And then it's, it's one more artist that I'm thinking of. I don't want to say Lil Wayne, but, you know, it's, it's, just, it's Atlanta music. It's the Atlanta sound. So don't act like y'all doing something new and different, bro. You feel me? It's not nothing new and different. It's not something that you ain't got no fucking significant message in your music. You're talking a bunch of ignorant shit and... It sounds great. This shit been going on. Big busy. Yeah. We still living in the bling bling era. Yeah. Yeah. This is still yeah. when the, when the bling bling shit came out with Nas and the New York scene came with the bling bling shit and the Atlanta niggas came with the bling bling shit, the hot boys and all. We still living in the bling bling era to the like the tenth power right now. Okay. You feel what I'm saying? That's what we're in. That's where we at. That's what's popping. When they found out 
that the flashy music sells, that the sex sells, we fell into the same trap that rock and roll fell into. Sex, drugs, and rock and roll. That's what sells in America. Take the rock and roll out. Sex and drugs. That's hip-hop today. They talk, yeah, what else are they talking about? That's true, yeah. yeah. What else are we talking It's to the point that now we making it popular to pop pills. Man, shit. We didn't come from that generation, bro. Yeah. Let's go way back. Why did hip-hop even come about? What What is hip-hop? Why do we even need it? What is it doing here? Okay. I'm from the generation. I was born in 71. So I'm from that generation where a lot of things was taken away from us. The YMCA was taken out of the neighborhood. Arts, arts and music was taken out of schools. So what did you do? You, you try to find yourself some creative bent. Even though they took it away, that don't mean you're going to stop being creative as a human being. So what did we used to do? When I was in sixth grade in uh, 1981, 82. Beating on the desk and shit. Yeah. That's where hip hop started. When they took away the social environment where you can learn music, they took away the, the classes where you can learn how to play an instrument. I don't know how to play one fucking instrument. Not one, but I can play them all through hip hop. You see the power of hip hop? I just told you, I musically, I don't know a fucking note. But I can send you to three different websites. You can listen to my music about me rapping. You can listen to me DJing. You can listen to me making beats. That's hip-hop. Hip-hop is making something from nothing. Exactly. And see, what they call what's out there now, promoting the popping pills and the sex, the drugs and everything, they don't call that hip-hop now. That's slave ship-hop. You know, I heard that term. Before, Say it again. Call that slave ship hop. Slave that's ship a good hop. Way to, that's a good way to describe it, because it's all about being a part of the system, okay? And that's, that's the best way I could say it. It's all about sucking up to the system. It's all about showing the system that I want to be worthy. Oh, I want to be a part of this game. Hip-hop wasn't that. Hip-hop was about changing the game. Hip-hop, see, um, it was a no-crossover movement. EPMD had a whole song. Don't cross over. You feel what I'm saying? Third base. Yeah. That was a big, 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 big deal back then. You didn't want to cross over. You didn't. If you did cross over, you didn't. You still didn't want to change up your style to appease the masses. You feel what I'm saying? You. I mean, yeah, and and Uncle Jay got a whole lot of slack for that. Yeah, well, yeah. Uncle Jay made. I mean, love. Yeah, he got a whole lot of slack. Like, what you doing? <laughs> but that, that's probably what. Hey, but it touched the people in the hood and it touched the national scene. So I'm not going to hate the brother for, you know, reaching mass appeal. No, that's not what I'm saying. It's okay to reach mass appeal. But when you compromise yourself and you compromise your art and you compromise the substance and you just curtail your angle to one angle to suffice the masses, to where, like, okay, if I wanted to make a song right now that, you know what I'm saying? I know it's going to pop. I'm, I'm going to put some drugs in there. I'm going to talk about bitches and hoes. You feel what I'm saying? And clubbing and all this. You know what I'm saying? And I'm going to give me a cool-ass flow. And, ooh, you know, I'm a, you know it's, it's a science to this shit. 
It's, it's one plus one. It equals two. They doing what they think sells. So it's really a lot of, it's a lack of substance in hip-hop today. The roots have been, um, what do you call it, when you pull the roots up, you supplanted the roots. They then took the roots of hip-hop out, man, and burnt that shit up and threw it away. It ain't about, see, the shameful thing about drill music is this. Hip-hop was created to take you off the streets and curtail that violence and put it into something positive. Not just so it can be marketable, just so you can have something positive to do besides bust a nigga upside his head. Now, hip-hop is being used to bust a nigga upside his head. Uh, yeah, put you right back on the street. You got people who not even from the streets trying to get on the street and, and find you. out what's going up there. It you know, the more people don't... even worse than the real gangsters. Yeah. Thank you. It's just making people who don't even know nothing about growing up in the hood want to be hood. I'm watching these little white rappers, these young ladies today, the the, the Catch Me Outside young lady, and the other the young lady who's obviously slow, got some mental problems, you feel what I'm saying? But she rapping, she missed... She got money and all this. This is that's fucking nuts, bro. That's some Twilight Zone shit. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah. And see, that's a that's another thing. I, we was talking about this a while back. You know, it's not it's not just hip hop that's catching the flag because a lot of people that listen to the music that they grew up with, they all said that it's not the same no more. And yep. what I feel is, if you could take Corporate America out, these major labels, you know, the the 800-pound gorillas who just yeah. want the money. If you just take them out and just leave it to the artists and leave it to the art, it'll go back to what it was at first. You know, hip-hop and music in general will be a beautiful thing. That's right. That's right, Jay. That's yeah, right. You're right. You're 100% right. If you could take them out, and that's why you can't give Chance the Rapper that kind of credit for being that independent. He ain't doing nothing different to everybody that signed. So what the fuck is the difference with making you sign or not? But if you can take them out, and Big D can tell you we've been doing this since the early 2000s. He can tell you. I was on MP3.com when Eminem was on MP3.com. MP3.com don't exist no more. So I've been in the internet game since the internet music game started. I still got music websites. I'm going to share that with y'all, too. But the underground game is over. It's, it's, it's the Internet now. And let's not mistake, let's not lump everybody in. There's some good music still out there. It's just not surfacing because you got so much music being released by the powers that be. The, the, the industry, okay, they was in a conundrum. They was in a, they was in a dilemma when this Internet shit came up. Because CDs ain't selling no more. How the fuck we gonna make money? See, this is how slick the industry is. They took the underground over. When when everybody thought the internet was circumventing them and was making them lose money, they took the internet over. And said, so, okay, they wanna change lanes, change the game. Y'all think y'all gonna run some shit? Okay. We'll show y'all how we do this shit. And they bought up the websites. They own SoundCloud. Uh, they own, you feel me? They own yeah. Type. You feel what I'm saying? They own Sony, Apple Music, iTunes, all that shit. You feel what I'm They own it. That's the music industry all over again. It's just they established themselves on the internet. It took them 15, 20 years to do it. Well, you know what? Even in that new Black Panther movie, that one of the villains in there 
said he had a mixtape, and he said, "Yeah, I'm sending you to uh, to my SoundCloud." Uh, uh, you know, hey, when that's so wild shit, and they put that in the movie, yeah. bro. They put that in the movie. Yeah. That was so funny shit. <laughs> well, well, you know they're gonna, they're gonna stop making CDs. You know, well, supposedly they're gonna stop making CDs. But um, I was telling, I was telling Fresh. I said, I said, you know what, Fresh? If we come up with an album now, you know what I'm saying? If we go to some place like an event, if we pop the trunk, if we ain't got CDs to sell, what we go, what we gonna uh, get? What we gonna give out? Or what we gonna sell? We're gonna have to have USB. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, and, you know, if they don't, if, yeah, flash drive. If if they, cause you know, with a CD, if you if they don't like your shit, they just press, they press eject and throw it out the window while they're driving. But if, uh, if if you give them a USB, if they don't like your shit, they'll just um record over it. Yeah, you fucking plug it to now. They got a bitch. <laughs> yeah, now they yeah, got a free flash drive. Yeah, because right. I honestly believe. You know, the new wave of media is going to be the SD cards because I remember about four or five years ago, me and the guy was talking and he said that, you know, video games and music is going to be on SD cards. And come lo and behold, when the Nintendo Switch came out, that's what their game is on, the the SD cards. So because mm. oh. music still got to be on some type of media, you know, regardless of all the streaming and the downloading, it got to be some type of media. To, to have music on, you know, like me and Diesel was talking about. But you know how it goes. Everything goes in a cycle because you remember back in the day, you know, they they had slowly phased out the records. Look, look what's happening. The records coming back. The industry yeah. had phased out. They had phased out singles, cassette singles. And then yeah. when the internet hit, you could go back to buy singles, whatever you wanted to buy. You could go on the internet and pay one or two dollars for it. The singles inadvertently came back. Everything comes in a cycle. My man making a great point, and 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 I, I want to say that to say this: the CD ain't going nowhere. It's still a tool we can use. You feel what I'm saying? So yeah, big diesel, we can still pop the trunk and sell CDs. That's the problem with people buying into the internet, and that's why I had to bring the industry taking it over. See, when they took it over, they erased the underground. There is no more underground, bro, because ain't nobody putting in the work. You got to pop the trunk, or you ain't underground, bro. You got to talk to people. Just being online ain't enough. I've been online for 20 fucking years. I ain't sold one record. Why? Because I don't promote it. I don't, I don't, I don't do anything to go out and, um, you know, I don't perform it. I don't promote it. So it don't do shit. It's on the fucking internet. It's just fucking sitting there. It's putting yourself on the shelf. Yeah, and it plus, ain't no mood. And plus, in this day and age of do it yourself, you know, like you say, the the record labels they they done cornered the market. Either which way they can go to keep to keep some money coming in. But it's like with the with the artists. They, as far as production and trying to get their name out there, they really don't need a label because they are the record label. Thank I mean, you, you might just need them. Yeah, you might just need them far as, you know, just having a machine to, to get your name out there. But other than that, you really don't need it because there was the gatekeepers back in the day 25, 30 years ago, but they not yep. not, and they just realizing that. Yes. So you don't need them. You got all the equipment. You don't even go to the studio. You can buy all the equipment. You can learn how to use it yourself. You can record yourself. You can write yourself. You can put it online. I can put the shit. I can put a fucking price on it myself. 
and get paid through my PayPal myself. What the fuck do I need them for? I can go and, you know, perform at open mics or, you know, get booked and do shows myself. That's the power of Chance the Rapper and somebody like him. They're doing it themselves because they realize we have all the tools, but you got to use all the tools. You can't just go out and perform. That ain't going to make you no successful artist. You can't just stay in the studio and make music. And you can't just put your shit online. You got to do all of that. And you got to go out there and self-promote, selling CDs, giving CDs away. And you got to know about all your different rights. You got, uh, you know, the, the not just the copyrights, you got the um, streaming rights, you got mechanical yeah. rights. And all the and all this other yep. other uh, main means to get your money. You got ASCAP, BMI still out there. I've been an ASCAP member since nineteen ninety seven. I won quite a few ASCAP awards. They sent me checks just because uh, this song was hot and we thought it was you know a good song. We didn't give you an award, hundred dollars here and there. You know what I'm saying? Shit like that. So yeah, yeah. It's, it's beneficial to be a part of ASCAP. BMI, you feel what I'm saying? You want to get on, what was it, SoundScan back in the day? If you wasn't on SoundScan back in the day, your shit wasn't being counted. Right. So, you know what I'm saying? It's important to latch on to those things if you can. But real talk, it's just all about putting in work, man. You know, you know, Big D noticed that we had, we had a lot of artists who wanted to rap, but when, that, when I put that CD in their hands, the game changed. <laughs> you feel me? You done rapping now, bro. Yeah. Now it's time to promote. Now it's time to market. Now it's time to you know get this shit out here. I always took on yeah. the Master P model. I took on the Master P model. Master P is the Einstein of hip hop, bro. People say whatever they want to about his rapping ability, his beats, and his, the groups he put together. If you go back and you check and you look at that era between 92, 93, and 98, a lot of shit happened. But who got the richest in that area, in that era? And he wasn't signed. Master P. Exactly. Because and priority, was, yeah, priority picked him up. But he started making music in Richmond, California, and he was from New Orleans. When he tied that shit together, and he Went back to New Orleans, and he had the California crowd. That's east to west, baby. Right. He had the whole country. He was the first rapper that can literally say he didn't just rep a city. He rep a culture exactly. across this whole country. That's some powerful shit, bro. And, see, and the point that, that I was yeah. going to make when uh, he was the first one who priority was getting – pissed off behind because they couldn't handle him like they was handling the average artists on their labels because all they had was a distribution deal. He, he, he had all to know. Yeah, that was it. That's, That's why it. he was able to put out so many albums. You know, he was putting out down there four or five albums a month, but he had the creative control. He had the power. All he, he had, it. The, what was, it was the 80-20 deal. He had 80%. It was an 85-15. It was an 80. Let me correct that, bro. It was an 85-15 deal. He killed him. Yeah, he was the first one to do that. And nobody could repeat that success. 
Nobody. Nobody. Because after Nobody. that, they, they shut that down. <laughs> they shut that down. That brother almost became a fucking billionaire on his own. Exactly. On his own. Out the trunk. Coast to coast. Out the trunk. And I know some people who know him personally from New Orleans who grew up with him and things. I never met him. But, man, you got to honor that brother, man. And that's about the getting rich factor, the way he established himself and put people on. How many people did he feed? How many people did he house? How many people did that brother help? You can't count it. You can't count it. So that's hip-hop to me, man, making something from nothing. And these kids are still doing that today to a certain degree. But the cookie cutter, fast food, um, right now approach is fucking the whole game up. Because everybody's a rapper. Everybody's a producer. You can't fake DJing that much. <laughs> you can fake you can fake a, you can fake rap and you can fake produce. But try to throw a party in. Let's see how that shit go for you. <laughs> Man, everybody's doing Spotify and, and Pandora. I mean, I go to parties, man, or I go to little get-togethers, or even I go to the gym, um, there's a gym that, that played music, and uh, a song come on, I'll be like, who's this? Uh, I don't know if it's Pandora. Man, when I was a kid, my dad used to take all his albums, and he had a reel-to-reel, and he he would fill up a whole entire reel-to-reel with eight hours of music. You know what I'm saying? And it would right. be every day. Rick James, SOS band. Fatback, Shalimar, Lakeside. My dad, my dad, so, you know, I got that. Yeah. And we that, that was what we was doing back there. Nowadays, it's like one push to one button. Pandora, That's bam, it. there you go. There's your party. So they devalue the DJ in this culture. And I'm saying all across, you know, the, the best job for a DJ to do right now, and I'm, I'm a professional DJ. I do this all across the country. Outside of rapping and producing, I've been DJing before all of that. And I've, I've done it for years. You know the best DJ job you do right now where you're going to really get paid unless you know one of these mask-wearing dudes in Las Vegas? It's a wedding DJ, being a wedding DJ, just a DJ that does weddings. And you got to be versatile. Hell, the whole family might want to hear rock and roll all night. You got to play rock and roll, man. Mix that shit up. You feel me? It might be a country night. You did. <laughs> you did. You might better mix it up. That's the best way to make the, money. I know the last wedding I went to, the DJ was pretty cold. Thank you. <laughs> I, yeah, I went, I, went, I went to a wedding in, uh, in Gary, Indiana. Um, Norman and his wife got married. And um, that that DJ, I said, well, I, and he was scratching, too. He had turntables and CDs. But when it came to, he, when he put them records, you know, when it was time to dance, he was scratching while he was mixing from one to so I'm like, damn, I'm, everybody's dancing. Some people stopped dancing and started standing in front of the DJ booth like, damn. Right. And it's just, it's just the only way right now to make money as a, you know, regular average business as far as a DJ is you got to do weddings. Why do I say that? I've done nightclubs, and I still do nightclubs, and I do house parties. Let me tell you what, man, this, these nightclubs is a trip, bro. I had one nightclub out on the West Coast I was DJing at. He wanted me to DJ. This motherfucker wanted me to play an iPod all night. I'm like, bro, I got equipment. I'm like, I got equipment, bro. It's like, I can bring my shit up in here and we can do this for real. You feel me? 
this motherfucker want to play the goddamn iPod. I'm like, man, what the fuck kind of club is this? And the people didn't give a fuck. See, that's the difference between the DJs of the day and the DJs from back then because today, you know, they they got their laptops and they could just pull up a song, but back then you had to have the record crates. You yeah, had the turntables. You had to carry some shit. Yeah. Yeah. They had to get up and they had to scratch it up. See, I had did an article about this a while back. People just don't understand how important the DJ is, the partisans in the industry as a whole. The DJ is the essence of hip-hop. Me, as an independent, unsigned artist in the 90s, I could go to a DJ at any party, hand him my CD. He would put that shit on, and I'm a flop or a pop right there in that moment. I'm a no if this shit is worth putting out right now because he going to put that shit in, and if it go, everybody going to enjoy it and have fun. People going to want to get to know you, shake your hand, all that good shit. If it flop, you might want to leave, bro. You might want to get the fuck up out of here. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, the DJ could make you or break you. All day. That's the job of the DJ. From the radio to the nightclub, all that was DJs had the power to make you or break you. What happened was... Oh, go ahead. No, I was, was going to say what happened was they came in with payola and changed the DJ. When they, money fucks everything up, bro. It fucked the DJ game up because now I'm going to pay you to play Jay-Z 25 motherfucking times an hour. You ain't playing Jay-Z because you yeah. think this shit hot. That was the essence of the DJ back then. They played what they thought was hot. Now they want to play what everybody else think is hot. So that that takes away your power as a DJ. You you ain't got no motherfucking power. You just playing with everybody. You you're a wedding DJ. You playing with everybody want to hear. Right. Right. Nobody can hand you a CD anymore, especially nope. now since you don't even have a CD player. Everything's on your phone. You know what I'm saying? And then, and then I'm gonna do it right now. We're gonna see how many people go to my. I'm gonna check it out later. I'm gonna give out my web link. You can give your motherfucking website out all day. That don't mean nobody going to check it out, bro. But if I hand right. you that CD, right. if I hand you that CD, the chances of you popping it in, it, 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 it grows. The probability of you putting it in a CD player, a DVD player, and listening to it for at least a few seconds is very high. I'm at www.soundclick.com slash DJ Chuck B. Chilling. That's too much shit to remember, and I ain't even spell it for you. DJ Chuck be chilling. And sound click. Yeah, sound sound click. click Before sound click. Yeah. Yeah, sound click is the old school. Let me give y'all the game. Let me give y'all the game on how I structured my music. I put my actual music that I've made, original shit, on sound click. I put a price on it. I can go online and put a price on it. It's all for free right now. But I can go and put a price on it if I want to. You feel me? And I'm gonna get eighty five fifteen like Master P got. Okay. Only thing I put on yeah. SoundCloud 
is stuff I'm not selling or DJ mixes. So I got two separate sound click. I'm actually a sound click administrator. So if any of you have material out there that you want to get out there, I can show you how to be an administrator on your own. I can administrate for you and show you how to get your shit online and put your own price on it and become independent. Don't worry about the money right now because it's about creating an infrastructure. That's how I look at sound. They be jacking off a sound. They be jacking off a sound cloud. You know what I'm saying? Uh, Rick said he didn't got many beats stolen from him or many ideas. Yeah. And even yeah. uh, he he didn't taught people how to do the the little hi hat thing that they do in the drill music, and he was the only one doing it. And after he taught one guy how to do it, now everybody's doing it. I, I said, you know, and he doesn't belong to ASCAP, so I said, boy, you better get on that, you know. Well, see, that's why I don't fuck with SoundCloud like that. They want you to do everything for free. And there's people, it's a million people got music on SoundCloud that they could be selling on iTunes. They could be selling it on SoundClick and be making money. But this is, the, this is the thing, and I'm glad I got to this point in the conversation. In one of my raps, I say this. I say, um, if hip-hop was a girl, if hip-hop was a girl, you know how I comment say he used to love her. If hip-hop was a girl, she'd be screaming rape because of this mixtape game. Oh. The mixtape game crushed the underground. All you're doing is mimicking and regurgitating the same beats and bullshit from somebody who you thought was hot two weeks ago. So you put fresh new rhymes on this old-ass beat that's making you sound good for the moment, but you could have used them same motherfucking rhymes with something that was original and went out and made your own motherfucking music and made money, bro. Performed the shit, sold the shit. But you can't sell a mixtape. That's what niggas don't get. When you take a beat, you steal a beat, you copy a beat, it, it, it's worse than sampling, bro. It's worse than sampling. Because you ain't got your own fucking flow. See, the way I produce, and a big beat is a test to this, I don't just throw a beat on and say start rapping. I want you to start rapping and I'm going to make a beat around that. That's what producers do. Producers don't just sit up in a fucking lonely room by their fucking self thinking of hot shit. No. I got to get a feel for you and your flow and your character and how you want to sound. It ain't about if it come out hot or not. You know what make it hot? I made that shit. It's fresh off the press. It's hot, motherfucker. I did that. So we got to take more pride in what we do. We got to take more pride in how we do it. You feel what I'm saying? So the mixtape game, people thought that was their way of getting attention and getting on. Name one artist since, before, or after 50 Cent who made it with a mixtape. Name, give me one. Please, give me one. No, because even the even the major artists are going back to mixtapes. All right, they took over the mixtape game, so they flood the fucking market, so somebody new can't even get recognized with mixtapes no more. So, right, they right. major they tell people about lungs. About who? Uh, lungs from Chicago. L U N G Z. 
Yeah, long. okay. And then uh, okay. one of his buddies, Logic, may, is, is starting to get some play. Logic. I know Logic. His yeah. name is. Yeah. But, yeah, yeah this, this mixtape, this mixtape market, man. I don't know. I'll go through that trip sometime and see who's got something out. Yeah. It's some, it's some hot music that come out on mixtape sometime, but it's not sustainable because it's a mixtape. It's not a real album. So it, it only can go so far. You feel me? So it's a lot of hot music that come out on mixtapes. I'm not saying that. But as a marketable way of getting into the game, it's a waste of fucking time, bro, to me. It's a waste of time. And you only empowering those who are already above you. Like I mentioned earlier, Snoop Dogg, the only one who ever remade a whole hip-hop song word for word to Vegas. That ain't hip-hop. You don't do that in hip-hop. You don't, you don't redo what somebody else did. Hip-hop is about being original. It's about being creative. And I'm going to say that word again. Original. If it ain't coming from you yeah. and your heart and out of you, then it, it, it's not hip-hop, bro. That's not hip-hop. That's, that's... I mean, come on, man. It's just like the level of creativity is so low that I don't understand how they're saying this shit is even fun and fashionable. And it's just all in your face. Let me put it like that. It's all in your face. And most of it really is trash. It's really garbage music. Most of the shit that surfaced to the top. You got to dig so deep to find some decent music today that it ain't, it ain't worth your time. You feel what I'm saying? It ain't worth your time. Every so often you get a decent artist, Kendrick Lamar, J. Cole, you know, guys like that who surface on the mainstream. But you, you're not seeing nobody, you know what I'm saying, stay in their lane. Let's say, for example, if you try to name the most conscious rappers from the late 90s, we have to go with Nas, Common Sense. We're going to go with Black Dog from The Roots and shit like that. But you can't name one real political song they put out that's comparable to something Public Enemy said or comparable to something KRS once said. No, they're just trying to say, this is my lane. I'm a conscious dude. I'm a smart guy. I'm not a gangster. I'm not a thug. But I still ain't, I still ain't talking about shit. <laughs> right. Yeah. So... It's, 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 it's so convoluted in the game. It's so fucked up right now. It ain't no whole lot of money in hip-hop no more, bro. Let's be real. Everybody figured out how to do it. You ain't got to leave your own home. I can do everything from the comfort of my home. I don't even have to perform this shit. It can be so, if I make a hot-ass song, I ain't even got to go out and perform this shit to make money today. All you can do, got to do is sit at home, post that shit online, Promote it on different, you know, social media sites, and hope that people click on this shit. You ain't gonna get paid like that, but you could, you could, you know, it's one out of a million that's gonna make it like that. It go back to what right, we right. saying, yeah, especially if you got some money behind you. Yeah, you go, you yeah, 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 yeah. Something gonna happen. You dig? But the real way to get on in hip hop, and I mean, I swear, I don't care who art, what the artist is. They're going to say it. I mean, I was listening to guys out of Texas the other day. What was his name? Um, guys with the um, shit, the syrup music and shit. Um, fuck, I can't think of the dude's name in Texas, but um, Paul Wall was with him. They were doing the interview, and they were saying that, you know, they came from everywhere. You had to pop trunk, bro. You had to travel. You had to go out and, you know what I'm saying, sell these CDs hand-in-hand to people. So 
it's a generational thing. I wish the young brothers all the best. You feel what I'm saying? But you don't have to be the best rapper. You got to be the best worker to get up. And right now, the best workers ain't getting on and the best rappers ain't getting on because ain't nobody really rapping about shit and ain't nobody putting in no work. So you got a bunch of internet clowns with colorful hair and fucked up teeth talking crazy. And your kids love it. I'm just like, what the fuck is going on, bro? But hey, that's hip hop. <laughs> yeah, well, I talked to uh, Cy from Cycle Drum a couple of weeks ago, and he said he's starting up uh, the the Team Institute, the Entertainment Institute down there in the West Side, uh, and he's trying to make it to where people can make it in Chicago, to where he can have a one stop for everything, where people now you know, can go in Chicago, can have a place to go in Chicago and don't have to go to New York and L.A. And, um, yeah, he's got a nice little thing uh, going on. It's called the entertainmentinstitute.com, uh, Team Entertainment. So, um, that's what's you up. know, I hope that's that works up. out. I applaud that yeah. effort, bro. I, I applaud that effort. And, and speaking of the West Side, I want people to know, on the West Side of Chicago, the reason the West Side popped before every side of Chicago is this. It's a place on the West Side of Chicago called... Um, Austin. It's an Austin neighborhood. Like, I live in Inglewood. It's a neighborhood called Austin. It's right on the edge of the west side before you get to Oak Park, you know, which is a suburb. Um, yeah. In Austin, they have a it's, it's a place called Austin Park. And I believe to this day, I don't know if it's still open, but back in the 90s and the early 2000s, this is the only park district they had a real professional recording studio in the park district. You could pay like ten dollars an hour, twenty dollars an hour, and go in there and record. So that's, I mean, I'm a, I can't even think of the white cat's name, but it was a white cat who ran the whole thing. Man, he would let you in there for ten, twenty dollars an hour. A that's that machine. I mean, keyboards, MPC, all that shit. You don't have to buy no equipment. You just go up in there for ten dollars an hour, twenty dollars an hour, make music. So what about Fort places. City, dude? You you still got that one brother in uh, Fort City? Over there, you right? Remember I worked out there? Big D, you remember I worked out there? What? I, worked what? Out, I was working with dude in Fort City. I actually worked with him in that studio. Oh, okay. He had a, um, this is a Muslim brother. He's from the Nation of Islam. He was one of those guys. And um, he hired me. And I used to go to Fort City every day, you know what I'm saying? But what he had was a couple sound booths. And... He had NPCs and things of that nature, and he had a lot of preset beats, and he had a lot of – he was a pioneer in the mixtape game because he had a lot of instrumentals that were popular at the time, and he would let you go in and just rap on them. That ain't nothing, that's what a mixtape is. You feel what I'm saying? He let you take a, a beat that was popular, and he let you go in, you know, do your thing. Charge you $20 or whatever, some give you a CD, you leave them all, you got something to listen to. That shit was actually in the mall in Chicago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I and I'd be afraid to give you know I'd be afraid to go up there in his studio. I mean he had a nice studio, but I'd be afraid to go up there with him with an original beat because um ain't no guarantee that he gonna dump the beat after you leave. Like damn, this beat's pretty nice. I think I'm gonna That's what I'm saying, in this holder right here. <laughs> he was just doing a fast food cookie cutter approach to, and he, he I'm giving him credit for being a pioneer because he was. Decades before his time. This is be this is pre internet. This is before the internet yeah. really popping. The internet might have been there, but before music was really on the internet, he was doing this shit in the mall. 
let people rap on, you know, beats that was popular, and give them a CD, send them home. He's doing this shit tomorrow. You feel me? So this shit ain't nothing new. The mixtape game ain't nothing new. The shit they doing online ain't nothing new, man. It's just about hitting all those points. Don't cut no corners. You got to perform. You got to sell as far as, like, online, if you want to go online. You got to sell hand-to-hand. You feel what I'm saying? You, you got to market yourself to people in more than one way. Ain't no one way to do this no more. Everybody who's thinking the Internet, see, I got young people in my family who think they, they just, you know, go into a studio, make a mixtape, and go get a video made and put it on YouTube, and they straight. That's it. Now you're a rapper. You wouldn't you put a you, you put a YouTube video. No, bro. It's more than that. You gotta perform. You gotta go out and market yourself. You gotta be hand in hand. And I encourage most young people to just don't try to do just one thing. Don't just be a rapper. Learn how to DJ. Learn how to uh engineer. Learn how to put equipment together and create a studio. Those things I don't take more time. You got to be patient with yourself, but at the end of the day, you're going to get what you want out of it. You're going to be original. You're going to be creative, and you have your own Picasso. You feel what I'm saying? You're going to create your own art, and you can be proud of that shit. Fuck the money, bro. The money don't – everybody has a market. There's nothing in the world that can't sell. I can make music about doo-doo all day. It's going to sell to somebody. Somebody likes shit. So don't worry about selling. You're going to sell because it's a market. But if you don't put in the work, don't worry about selling shit because you ain't. Right, right. Well, hey, Chuck, I want to thank you, man, for stopping by the Pleasy Talk Radio, man, and, and, and putting it down with us. You know, we expect uh, you to come back sometimes with us, even sometimes when we're interviewing other artists, man, because um, well, you sure, got a I lot of knowledge I want to be on your panel. Yeah. For sure. I want to be on your panel. Yeah. I appreciate everybody's time. I, I hope I gave you some insights into Chicago hip-hop. And, you know, this is just my point of view and my perspective. Some of it is fact. Some of it is opinion. But I appreciate y'all time. And I appreciate y'all efforts. I love your show. I check in on y'all a lot. You feel what I'm saying? I don't, I don't comment and, you know, make myself known. But I'm listening. And I appreciate you guys. And, and thanks for having me. I appreciate all y'all. Righteous. All right. Do you want to give us uh, uh, again your your where they can find your music at on yes, SoundCloud on SoundClick? Let's yeah. start off with the SoundCloud. My SoundCloud is Charles Burns B U R N E S, and then the number two. Charles Burns space number two. You can just put that in the search on SoundCloud, and you'll find some DJ mixes from house, hip hop. R&B, even some Dusty mixes, and then you'll hear that that song with me and Big D. Y'all want to hear that? Got to go to SoundCloud. <laughs> but I don't know Big D who got it on YouTube also. And you can also find well, I have, my... I have but mine up on SoundClick. Our whole, like, yeah. Pretty much a whole album up on SoundClick. Minus a couple That's songs. what's up. That's what's up. That's my dude. He on SoundClick with that. My bad. Now, my SoundClick, www.soundclick slash DJ Chuck B. Chillin'. I'm going to spell it for you. D-J-C-H-U-C-K-B-C-H-I-L-L-I-N. Took the G off the end of the word because it's in my heart. <laughs> okay. All right. Okay, you got any last words, Bomber? 
Oh, man. Just uh, I'm going to keep checking in on your stuff. I uh, hope you get the studio cracking again. And, man, put out some dope music. Most definitely. And this has been encouraging to me to make me know that, hey, it's worth my efforts to continue. I didn't quit. But, right. you know, Big D, no, I, I take a step back. I can only do one thing at a time. I took a step back from politics to focus on my family. I took a step back from music to focus on, you know, raising my family. You know, then I take a step up and I make music and I say, fuck this job. I'm not married no more. Let me make some music. <laughs> things of that nature. So yeah. different things, you know, take importance in your life at different times. And, you know, just um, use it. Don't abuse it. And I appreciate y'all efforts and I appreciate y'all work. And let, let, let's wrap again, man. I mean, I think this is a good conversation. I think this is a good conversation. I hope I didn't uh, talk too much. <laughs> but it's, 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 it's a lot that people don't know about how hip-hop got to the state that it is. And I just want to say thank you all again. Appreciate you all. All right. We appreciate you too, Chuck. Peace, brother. All right. Peace. Y'all have a great day.